Thank you for joining us today. This is part of Electric International's ongoing series, Think Like a Leader. And today we're delighted to be meeting with Greg Gossett, who's president and CEO of Ermco Inc., a NECA member, an Electric International member, very, very active in the industry. And we're really looking forward to hearing what Greg has to tell us about his job and his ability to think like a leader. So welcome, Greg, thank you for joining us. I wanna start out by asking you about something that I read on Ermco's own website. It describes its philosophy, your philosophy, as fulfilling the changing needs of our customers. So I think our audience would like to know how you and your colleagues define those needs. How can you be sure they're real needs and then who's responsible for defining the solutions? Carol, thanks for uh, having me on this afternoon. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. You know, in our almost 60 year history, Herbco has built its success on understanding its customer base and trying to live up to the expectations of its customer base. And to be honest with you, we don't define what our customers' needs are. We let our customers do that. And we take time to meet with them, not just to talk about current work they've got or in you know, a, a bidding process. We wanna know what our customers thinking, what their needs are, what their business plan is. So we will meet with uh, various individuals throughout the industry on a regular basis, just to talk about what their business plans are, where they're headed, what, what they're thinking, what they see ahead of them for the next year. We don't go in and try and sell Ermco. We try and learn and understand about them and then we utilize that information. Our team reviews it, we discuss it. Our executive team meets every other week to go through where we're at in our business plan, where we're at in our planning process. We meet with all of our department leaders on a regular basis. And we really hone in on what everybody feels like their customers are requiring, what direction the market's headed. And we try to build ourselves to support that. So we're really not defining what our customers' needs are. We're letting our customers do that, and we're adapting ourselves to them. Would you say that there are industry trends that force Ermco to reconsider, to pivot in the way that you're setting your own strategy for service and for growth? I believe there, there absolutely are. Um, based on changes that occur in our industry every day, whether it's uh, new ideas coming from youth that's joining the industry, whether it's from outside forces, from some of the social issues we've been facing this year, some of the COVID issues we've been facing. Our industry is changing in ways more rapid now than it ever has. And if you aren't prepared to change with it, you're not going to survive. A, a company that's out there continuing to do business the way it has always done business is not going to survive in our current market. We, we also, in addition to meeting with some of our industry partners that we do work for, we meet with our vendors on a regular basis. Uh, had communication today in a, in a long session with one of them just about that, what they're seeing in the market. And it does concern me that so many of our good competitors within the industry aren't seeing the changes that need to be made and aren't changing the way they do business today because we absolutely have to adapt to the times and realize what's going on around us and be prepared to change with that. Now, I think it's important that you maintain your philosophy, your ethics, and 
you conduct business based on what best business practices are, but you've got to be prepared to adjust your model with the industry. You mentioned that Armco began in 1962, and we know that it is a family company, and you are now head of that company. How do you personally measure success for Armco? What does that mean to you as the leader of the company? You know, it's it's not important that we're the biggest, the most profitable business, and profit's very important. But we measure success in a lot of different ways. And you know, there's a lot of good organizations within NECA, a lot of businesses that do a good job of planning. But that's something that's an area where I think that we we truly shine. We work very hard to put a good business plan in place and we follow it. We live by it. We practice that. So I think you've you've got to do that. You've got to have a business plan that you create for your organization and that you monitor and you live by. So for us, when we look at what really causes our success, it's the growth of our team, the growth of our individuals. You know, employee fulfillment is extremely important. Customer satisfaction for us is extremely important. Our success is not measured financially. That's, that's a component of it, but we measure ourselves by our success of our, the success of our team, how we're able to build relationships, how we're able to grow as a team together. So there's a lot of different ways, but that's, it's not just based on volume. There are certainly some members of your team and some members of your field workforce that will always say, oh, I don't, I don't need to change. I know how to do it. We've always done it this way. What steps do you take to help them accept change and what advice would you give other contractors who are watching this today about things that they can do so that innovative changes in their own company are accepted and acted upon to help make them more successful? You have got to take every opportunity to improve your business, to be disruptive and look at what changes need to be made. And there are individuals out there. I mean. I don't care if it's from the safety standpoint. I mean, years ago, safety was a, was an afterthought in our industry. And if you don't push it as a leader every single day and drive people to understand why it's important, they're not gonna grab hold of it. It's the same thing with prefab. You know, at one point in time, you had individuals in the field that would say, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do that prefab. I can do that faster and better and easier out here on the job site. You've got to help them understand why it's so important, but you can't let up. If you, as a leader, have identified something that's important for your business and you know it's the right thing to do, you have got to continue every day to drive to make that improvement. And you know, bring your team with you, help them understand why it's so important and keep driving for it. And if you fall down, get up and keep trying. You mentioned disruption. And clearly nobody anticipated, nobody could have possibly known that we were going to be hit worldwide by this pandemic. So that in and of itself has necessitated lots of different changes. Are there some things that you had to do and some lessons that you've learned as a consequence of the pandemic that you believe you will keep in place and keep using after we're out of the 
public health crisis mode? I, I believe our, not just our industry, but our society is going to change tremendously in a post-COVID world. You hear people talking about, boy, I'll be glad when things get back to normal. Things are never going to go back to where they were 12 months ago, whether it's how we meet, how we have conversations, how we, you know, how we communicate is going to be completely different. I think it's going to be a long time before people are comfortable traveling the way they did. I think we're going to look at work completely different. The installation methods that we're utilizing today are different than they were 12 months ago. The uh, types of work we're looking at are different than they were 12 months ago. I think we're going to see a completely different world on the back side of this than we saw on the front side. We're learning every single day, uh, whether it's how you are able to communicate with customers, how you meet with the uh, the electory meetings that we're holding now all virtually, completely different. Internal meetings that we're having are different. The type of work that we're securing today is different. The types of work that we saw 12 months ago, while the market has continued to be good for a lot of contractors, the markets are different. The tenant finish work, the tenant improvement work that we were doing, that's all but stopped. You know, in the hospitality industry, that's almost completely come to a to a halt at this point. But a lot of the distribution work, uh, some of the other ancillary types of work that support that, going like gangbusters. So some of the uh, uh, service work, people maintaining their facilities. So we've got to be prepared to adapt to the change that's coming at us every single day. We're we're living through that change and, and growing with it as it comes to us. In 2014, you decided to take the company in a new direction, employee stock ownership, an ESOP. Tell our audience, please, a little bit about what that meant and what were some of the concerns and what were some of the benefits that you thought were worth considering when you made the decision to go to an ESOP format? I can tell you right now, one of the hottest topics in our industry is succession planning. The vast majority of NECA contractors are family-owned businesses, no different than ours was. Dad started ERMCO in 1962. We were a small service facility. It was Dad and a couple of his buddies that were working driving service trucks for another organization that decided they didn't want to do service work anymore. They were changing their business model. He wanted to continue doing that. So we started out as a very small organization throughout the years have grown from that group of three to today. We, we manage and oversee almost a thousand employees. As we looked at where our business was headed, as many contractors are at this point in time, uh, myself and, and my brother, who I dearly miss, Daryl Gossett, who was our leader at the time, we were talking about the fact that this company was our biggest asset. It's the biggest piece of our portfolio. We needed to do something. We were headed to a, to a time in our life that things needed to be different. We didn't have family members that were prepared to take over. So we looked at all different options. We looked at selling to another contractor. We talked to other contractors. We looked at selling to a private equity firm. At the end of the day, we wanted to continue the legacy that those that were in leadership before us had created. And we wanted to protect the, the lives and the, the 
careers of the people that helped us build this company. All the other individuals on our team that weren't owners, but had still had a huge stake in helping build the company. And as we looked at the selling to another firm, we didn't think that would continue. When we looked at selling to a private equity firm, we really didn't think that would continue. They would change our company, our image, our, our vision tremendously. A financial advisor talked to us about ESOPs. And we realized that when switching to an ESOP, at that point, every decision that you make based on the fact that you've got a board of directors, you've got a trustee that oversee the management of the company, every decision that's made is in the best interest of the team, in the best interest of growing the organization and protecting it. So it helps our employees have an ownership in the business. They feel like owners because they are owners. So they're making the best decisions they can. We are much more invested in making sure that our customers are satisfied and that they're happy and they want to come back to us. So I could not find a negative reason to not convert to an ESOP. Everything we looked at today, we're a much better organization than we were before the conversion. Our employees are bought in. Our customers love the product they're getting. Everything has proven that it was the right choice for us to make. That is definitely a great endorsement for other companies to consider an ESOP. And I have a feeling that once this video is live on electric.org, you may be getting a lot of phone calls from some of your peers wanting to know, hey, Greg, how do you do it? How do we make all this happen? I so, can tell you it's, it's not an easy process. It's no, a process and it's one that you will spend a tremendous amount of time when you're going through it. But at the end of the day, you'll be happy you did. Well, you know, you and your colleagues, and of course, Daryl, have all been very much involved with Electri International. Has that relationship had an influence on how you approach your own business strategy? Oh, it absolutely has. Our engagement in Electri has been uh, a tremendous asset for our team. We try to engage not just myself and Daryl before me, we try to engage all the members of our leadership team uh, in some form or fashion within Electri. Much like the peer group that we're in, uh, Electri is where we learn, where we grow, where we build relationships in the industry, where we learn best practices. So much of what we do today has come either from lessons learned from our peer group or lessons learned from Electri. And we feel like we give almost as much as we get from it. I mean you've got to be prepared to give back to the industry. We're blessed. This industry has been fantastic for me, my family, the members of my team, and it's important that we give back to it. So we try every, every, time, we, every time we're engaged, we want to give back, we want to be a part of it. And I think it's an extremely important group to give to. What would you hope that Electri International would accomplish, let's say over the next three to five years, so that it can help contractors become even stronger and more successful. Are there certain avenues of research or education or outreach or international? Where do you think Electri needs to really put its major effort over the next several years? You know, I've had the honor of being on the program review committee for, gosh, I don't know, 12 or 13 years. And the changes I've seen within Electri is a 
my time served either on the program review committee or on the board of trustees is the changes have been huge and they're changing with our industry. And we see so many new technologies coming at us so quickly, whether it's digital electricity, whether it's you know power over ethernet, all the changes that we see coming ahead of us with renewables. I really hope that Electric can focus on helping grow leadership within our organizations, helping us look at training, education, ways to improve our workforce, but we've also got to be very forward thinking. Uh, we've got to look at what's coming at us three, five, 10 years from now and be bringing that to our membership and making sure they're aware of what's ahead of them so we can adapt and be prepared for the change that's coming because it's happening and it's going to happen. It's going to happen with or without us and we want to be a part of it. Well, Greg, I've gone through the various questions that Electri had put together for you. Is there any other topic that I haven't brought up that you'd like to make sure that we have a chance to talk about this afternoon? Any message you'd like to give to your fellow contractors? You know, one of the things that I mentioned just briefly a moment ago about peer groups, I don't think that if you're a young business, a young business leader, and you're looking for support, if you've been in business a long time and uh, you feel like you're successful, I believe there's always things that you can learn. And I would suggest anyone out there that's not in a peer group, look for a peer group, look for peers, look for people that can help you mentor and grow your business. I mean, there's a tremendous opportunity every day to learn from the members of a peer group if you're engaged with one. We are a part of the Electric Roundtable and we've got 10 members from around the country that we're in a non-competitive situation, so we don't mind sharing information. And we've learned so much. Some of the things that we do today, we've learned from those partners. Some of the things we don't do because we realize, man, I saw them do that and I didn't like the result. We learned from one of our peer group partners. So one of the things I would tell you, if you're out there and you're, you're trying to grow your business and you're sometimes beating your head against the wall, look for a peer group. I think that's... Uh, one of the most important things you can do. And, you know, myself as a leader, I think one of the most important things a leader, one of, one of your most important roles as a leader is to find the person that's gonna take your job when you're done and constantly be building a team. Surround yourself with good, successful people. You know, I, I feel very blessed to have a great team that I, I work with here, but it's been very strategic in choosing the right individuals I feel like if I was plucked out of this business tomorrow, it would continue on just as strong because of the team of leaders that have been put in place. So pick the right people, train your replacement, and help grow the industry. Well, Greg, you've done an amazing amount of things to help grow the industry and to help grow Electri International. We really appreciate your time this afternoon. Um, I know that people will be looking forward to listening and watching your interview. And as I said, I'm sure you will get some phone calls to find out how to do things the ERMCO way. So thank you again for your time. Thank you to our audience for taking time to join us. There's many more interviews to come. We hope you enjoy the series. Bye-bye for now.